welcome to the England Athletics podcast. My name's Alex Seftel. UK javelin champion Becca Walton joins me this month. In the year she smashed her PB at the European Team Championships to go within touching distance of the hallowed 60 metres. We're going to talk about her dream of becoming an Olympian and an engineer, the role of her mum, her dog and netball in kicking off her journey. First though, what does a javelin thrower do to train in an outdoor only event at the coldest time of year? We do do some indoors, so obviously gym, medball, plyometrics, we are lucky at Loughborough University that we've got the indoor track. Throwing wise, as much as we can, we're, we're actually heading outside a lot. Today, it's pretty cold, pretty wet. You've just got to get on with it sometimes, like how much do you want it? I've been cold, but getting on with training outside of the cold. Yeah, well, this is the thing. It's just not an indoor event, but it's an event that you've been getting better and better at year on year. Um, it's been great to see that that progress. But I had a look and you were someone who actually won the English schools when you were under 15, which will be 10 years ago next year. So I know clearly something that you've invested a lot of time in. Yeah. Yeah. So why did it start off with with javelin? Yeah. So really interested just on the English schools note. So that was my first time at English schools and my only ever win at English schools. So anyone's wow. listening and thinking, oh, my God, like, you know, these English schools winners go on. No, they don't. I had one win and things weren't that linear straight on from there. I began throwing javelin when I was 13. I initially joined Burton Athletics Club um, as a teenager because I wanted to get faster at sprints for netball. So I was an avid netballer. So if anyone's seen me around at the track, you'll know I'm I'm really not tall, so it kind of doesn't add up. Um, but when you're five foot six as a 12-year-old, people are assuming that big things are on the way, basically. So I went to the track, wanted to go and learn how to sprint and get faster, so just to translate it onto the court. But I was a really good thrower based on very novice beginnings. Um, I could throw a ball really far for my dog. So my mum basically took me to the track one night, knew that I had this talent and effectively pushed me over to the throw session and was like, you're going to do some javelin. And I really wasn't like fond about the idea at first. I was like, I don't want to get bulky and like had those like teenage assumptions that just one throw was going to make me this massive muscular woman. (laughs) Obviously, it's not the case. And now I'm probably striving towards that physique. And from there on, I did my first session, had a bit of a nick for it. And I've just really not looked back since then. And like you say, that's 11 years ago now that that's happened. Yeah. So do you think that, your mum's maybe knowledge of the sport and yeah willingness to to push you to do that played quite a role then absolutely so uh, I love my mum bless her and she will be listening to this later on uh, (laughs) but she is not knowledgeable necessarily about athletics but she was you know she knew who Tess Sanderson was she knew who Fasma Whitterer was Steve Backley all these greats particularly when she was uh, my age in the 90s who were around so she knew about the event because of these people and knew that if you had a talent for throwing things far, that javelin would be really great. And I think that just shows you the power of influential people in athletics and how how important they are like decades on and how influential they are in our young sports people. People like Fatima Whitbread and, and Steve Backley, they've been on TV for other reasons. I think that's why a lot of people know about them. But when you actually strip it back, they are a javelin thrower. Yeah. That, yeah. Is, that is why they're successful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my generation probably do know Fatima for uh, her, her I'm a celeb 
trials. But, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, like people like my mum were watching her on TV when they were, you know, teenagers. So they know her because she was really good at throw javelin. At the end of the day, you know, she's got an Olympic bronze and being an Olympic medalist in the UK is a massive deal. Like people recognize you then. Yeah. And it's interesting when we talk about some of these big names from Javelin, because you think about them and you see them having different styles on the runway, you know, different grip dives or finishes to the, to the routine. As you've developed as a, as a thrower, you know, what have you picked up and how would you describe your throw? Oh God, that's really interesting. So my one like habit that I don't know where it came from. I just picked it up. You probably noticed that when I'm setting up for the throw, I'll, I'll tap the tail on the floor. And I didn't even know I did it until someone one day was like, why Why are you tapping the tail? The kind of thrower I am, very interesting. And I think I'm still figuring it out. Last season, I was known more for my technical ability. I was starting to show a little bit of aggression on the runway, but controlled aggression. Sometimes some people are describing me as scary on the runway, which I find bizarre. You say scary? Yeah, some, <laughs> some people have told me I'm scary. And I, I think that's just bizarre to me because I can't imagine ever being scary to people. But apparently my face says a very different expression when you see me. But are these athletics people or people uh, These are athletics jamming? people. So, you uh, know, right, we've right. had people join the training group and be like, oh, I thought you were scary until we chatted. And I'm like, I'm really sorry that I didn't get that impression. So if you ever see me and you want to have a chat, please come and approach me. Even my face looks like it's telling a different story. Oh, maybe it's because they were actually standing in the infield section. They were like, well, better yeah, get yeah, away. trying yeah. to dodge it. Yeah. So uh, within Javelin, I'm just trying to work on my own personal strengths. I know that I'm very reactive and I've got a good attack into the block. And it's just trying to work on these strengths I have and make them like super strengths effectively. I think it was Tallinn at the European under 23s where it was quite picked up that you you're quite energetic and, and vocal, an event that was was really strong one for you um, competing for GB at that level. You came very close to a medal, but I think you also came away very happy with that competition. What was that experience like? Oh, yeah, it, fantastic. Actually, you can see in the wall behind me. Um, oh, yeah. So that's my best from that. So that's my first ever GB vest I got when I was in 2019 at GB Juniors in Manchester. I had that same kit until those championships in 21. That season, I remember it very well, 2021. Uh, I was really struggling throughout the season. Technically, I'd lost a, a lot of confidence. I just lost my feeling for the javelin and all the connection I had. And then final round of British champs just produced four metre seasons best, the PB. And I got a phone call that evening to say, oh, you know, congratulations on your win at the British Champs. But, you know, you've also now been selected for the European under-23s. And I was just completely shocked. I had this just turn around in my season in one competition. It was amazing. So I went into it like pretty open-minded and riding off the confidence of British Champs. I don't even throw 47 in warm-up, but I knew that when... I was going to compete. My body was going to be aware of it and consciously it was going to step up without me having to try. So I'm on the back, probably tapping the tail on the floor, like do not change anything. And it was just a nice, lovely flight and I was pretty happy. And then to get another PB and qualify in the first round, I was just completely shocked. You know, I won my pool, came through second and qualifying and then in the finals come fifth and being in a medal position for three rounds was just a bit of a dream come true at that point. It was just fantastic and it's really given me the confidence to know that I can perform when the pressure is on and that I am capable at this level and I am recognising Europe and it really did push me on and encourage me through the two seasons after that. You are focused on on distance and you are focused on 
trying to get the most out of a few attempts, uh, sometimes three, sometimes six. Uh, as a result, when you have a distance that's not what you you wanted, and, and quite often an athlete will say that anyway, how difficult is it not to get too down about it? It's really hard. It's like learning how to navigate your own emotions. Like I think that's the hardest thing with the field events is that you are your own worst enemy. Six rounds or three rounds is a long time. And you've got a lot of time between the rounds to almost negotiate with yourself and letting yourself almost grieve the last throw but Mm. moving on from it addressing what the problem is and focusing on the process over the outcome it's not over till it's over there's so many times that the last throw for me has really been the winning throw and it's about just staying focused having the clarity and you know choosing which road you want to take basically it's like are you gonna let yourself be upset and demotivated even when the competition's not finished or are you gonna decide to make the changes that are going to allow you to throw further um so it's it's been a, a tool and it's been hard work over the past few years to try and figure out how I do that but now I feel like it's in my toolbox of navigating the way around um a bad throw what you may see is that um I'm getting out my diary in competitions I was actually a bit inspired by Nicola Ollis Lagers when I was watching her yeah and I was like okay well she's she's using this and we're not allowed technology and competitions but we can use the diaries so it's like making my pre-competition notes what am I working on today reflecting round by round okay felt like I lost tension so that's my focus for the next round it gave me so much more clarity and I really start to see a change my season because of it that's interesting I mean you're talking in a very mature way about it all as well you know having talked about what you've taken into your javelin performance what do you think sport has actually given you as a as a person because uh, you mentioned as well being a a netballer as well and being involved in, in team sports. So what do you think it's, it's given you as a person, all this? Oh, very interesting question. Um, I think it's given me a lot of purpose for my own life, for example. Like it's, it's something that I want to wake up and I want to do every day. And I make the choice to do it. I don't necessarily have to, but I want to do it. And that's great. And it's it's shaped me in terms of just basic things, time management, determination, resilience, probably made me a lot more sociable I'm quite introverted at heart. I can very easily just sit in my room all day studying or just listening to music or whatever I want to do. But it's also forced me to become flexible um, and step out of my comfort zones in ways I don't necessarily like. So if there's a change in routine, I find that really, really hard. In athletics, you really don't have a choice. If your flight's delayed and you get to the hotel at 11 o'clock at night and you have to compete at 8 a.m. in the morning, so what get on with it Mm. just accommodating for that and accepting that these things are out of my control it's been again hard work but something that has really shaped me um, as a person now coming on to then the seasons that you said work so well I mean in Horso in in Poland at the European team championships what a phenomenal event for you and it was really one of the highlights of the British team's performance overall. So I just wondered, just rewinding a little bit, what your thoughts were going into that. I mean, I love the team championship competition. So if we're going back even further, back in 2019, it was my first senior vest. And I was kind of thrown in the deep end, really nervous. I was pretty young. I was only 19. Had a lot of personal life struggles at that point, but I still chose to do the vest and I didn't perform. And it was nice to go back to the competition four years later and just have a reflection of just how much I've matured. So I love the team champs because I get to know so many athletes in the British team that 
I wouldn't normally come across because we're there's a lot of camaraderie within the team mm. itself for that event. I was just so much more encouraged to just go and sit down next to a, a random person in the team who I may not have spoke to before and have a conversation with for a few hours. And it was great to see how my own personal growth had occurred in those few years. And I was really proud and reflection of what, what I've done. One of the outcome goals that I wanted was to come top four, even though my rank was actually 11th going in. Wow. So my justification for it was that everyone within rank six to rank 12 had like personal best and season's best all within a meter of each other. So it was pretty much fair game. I knew I was a championship performer and I wanted to give myself the opportunity on this stage basically to show the rest of Europe that I was a championship performer and not just, you know, the British girl who's filling in the space with European team champs. Mm. And I knew that I wanted the top four effectively because that's what gives you that final round in the European team champ structure. So I wanted to maximise my time at the competition. The actual competition, the first two rounds were a nightmare. I really struggled. So I don't know that no one talks about this side. So my first round was a no throw. Um, EDM failed just before I was going. I had to sit down for like 15 minutes to wait and I just lost all my fire and it was really frustrating myself. So went away, had a bit of a word myself for 10 minutes, came back, got on the runway and I'm all guns blazing. I'm ready to go. I just went for it way too hard, like absolutely tried to lash it. And I remember um, my coach Dave shouting to me basically like, we did not come all the way to Poland to prove you're not as strong as Kristen Hussong. Like that is not how you throw. You can't compete like that and you need to go back to what you do well. Um, so again, I have 10, 15 minutes between rounds to decide which path I want to take. Do I want to go down the same route I did the last round or am I going to take the new road, which was following the training that I've been doing, which sounds like really simple, but it's so easy in the comp to get distracted and try harder. So my cue was just to run slower than feels comfortable. So I, I let go. And the reason that I'm celebrating is because I, I can see I've hit a clean flight. So I knew it was fine. And I knew it made the cut. And I saw it on the screen. I was like, oh, my God, that's actually pretty far. Um, and it's just mm. such a relief to see that, first of all, I was I'd hit my goal of top four. And I was just over the moon to get a PB. But also there was a little bit of frustration in there that it wasn't in the air for 24 centimetres longer. <laughs> and I didn't get that this season. So it's always a slight frustration, a bit of a motivation in this winter. Oh, that's definitely the positive twist to put on it, isn't it? That that you do one thing at one time, there's always more improvement to make. Your mum must be pretty proud to see that, not letting her take all the credit, but something that she helped initiate has worked out in this way. Yeah, completely. And, you know, she's amazing and supported me for so much. And it's hard being a javelin thrower. Like um, my mum hears my meltdowns regularly. Like, can I financially, can I afford to do this? She tries to come to as many of the major comps as she can, and that's amazing. And she was there that day, and that was really, really special. She does that by herself now since so my dad passed away in 2020. Um, and, you know, she's been still been there. She still supports me and doing everything she can, even though my dad isn't there to support me as well now. So it's really special. And she's the person that was driving me to train in four times a week when I was a teenager and taking me to every competition and then dealing with me if they weren't very good so she's she's done a lot and does a lot of invisible work that parents should get more credit for than they do you use the word meltdown there i mean it, it does show that the emotion isn't something that people see necessarily do you think that you've had to keep quite a bit of that emotion to one side in order to keep things as they have been yeah um in a way i, I do agree with that athletics is a sport where it's not necessarily encouraged to show 
all your emotions all the time. So personality-wise, I'm not sure I come across as I actually am in the athletics world. Mm. I don't actually know what impression I give to, to the general public at all. It is really under wrap, the things that are going on behind the scene, frustrations or, you know, the overjoy. Life can get in the way, travel gets in the way. There's so much emotionally that is happening and it's a lot more of a bigger story than the number that you're producing on the day. I talk quite openly about my emotions and my experiences um, and I think it's important to acknowledge that because it does have an effect on your performance at the end of the day. And as athletes, we are people and we do have lives that go beyond our performance. Absolutely. And and being one's most authentic self is, is what we kind of want to show. Yeah. It's just not always possible, I guess. We talked about an obvious goal for the future, but it's not like a, you could put an obvious way to suddenly throw over 60 metres. But yeah, just your thoughts on the goals coming up for for next year uh i mean well listen outcome goals is a big year europeans and olympics and i'm hoping i'm going to be on the team for both i do have full belief in myself that i can throw the the standards that would be necessary to make myself on the team so that's a big goal i think the fields are pretty open in women's javelin now and i'm particularly on the european front i'd really want to be competitive in those european championships so i know i'm going to have to throw over 60 meters and in the early season and it's something that I really back myself to do I'm I'm pretty confident and I went into the winter and we we have a chat like we have our um, IDT meeting interdisciplinary team meeting it's a real mouthful to get out (laughs) and it was breaking it down into into manageable steps looking for a one percent improvement in every area of my life so if I was to break it down that's that's the technical side of the javelin the physical side and strength, plyometric explosiveness, recovery, nutrition, travel, psychological, and just get a 1% improvement in every area. And before you know it, I've, you know, I've exceeded 60. I'm going further. I believe you also studied mechanical engineering. Is that right? I do. Yes. You were talking about kind of percentages and scientific side. I wondered whether that is being channeled there, that energy, but also, I mean, being a student in itself, you've been a very passionate uh, performer for Loughborough University. And, you know, there's not that many athletes who win the Bucks title, British University title in the same year that they do so well on the European stage, are there? So quite a sort of unique achievement to have as well. Yeah. So I'll add to that. I've got my books record finally broke that this year. So I've been, I've been going at that one for a few years. Um, I'm really lucky with my support from Loughborough. So they've allowed me to split my year, which makes a massive difference time commitment wise. Um, and, and that's not just the sports side, that's within the engineering department as well. Like I, I love my degree. Um, I'm really passionate about it. And it is really, really hard. Like I'm having to work to make sure I'm meeting my deadlines, despite the fact I split my year. And it's just setting me up for my life post Loughborough as well, which will be happening in July, which is kind of scary. So I've got a master's degree in engineering after this um, and then going into the working world after that. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating because you, you talked about the age that you're at and it is an important age for kind of deciding next steps. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that isn't too daunting, right? Um, well, I think it is in, in some regards. So it's just controlling how daunting it is. Um, I've set everything up for my future now and that's athletics and career wise. Um, I've got aspirations of doing both. So I've been really fortunate to be employed by Stevens um, on a part-time basis so it's allowing me to really explore like my engineering lifestyle 
but I am able to train full time at the same time. Equally, I had to somehow make some make some money to support myself. So, so I'm hoping that you know I can be an Olympian and a chartered engineer at the same time. So that is that is the big lifetime goal now, which is probably going to take me 10, 15 years to achieve. But that is the big goal. I appreciate you're looking long term there as, as well as to a season ahead. Right now, sort of we're into the, the Christmas period. What does your Christmas look like? Oh, very interesting. So I am um, I go home to Derby uh, where I spend Christmas with my mum, my grandma and my brother. Um, and I have a few days off. I do not train Christmas Day. So I really enjoy like, my day of doing nothing academically and uh, training wise, athletically. In between, I go up to Scotland where my partner lives. Uh, we're going to have a hog me up there. And before you know it, in the new year, I will be back in Loughborough and all guns blazing for season 24. That's brilliant. No, it sounds like the perfect occasion. I've developed a sort of Christmas themed workout that I've been doing. Sounds terrible. Well, yeah, it, it kind of is. But it was because I was getting so bored of doing the same sort of stretches or same same routines and stuff. It's a bit like yoga, but like Christmas pudding is where you sort of arch your your body. So <laughs> in the shape of a pudding. Um, but that that's kind of where it's got to in terms of uh, wanted to do something because like Sally Gunnell was on this podcast and she said, you only need 15 minutes in order to actually do something active that keeps you fit and that keeps you motivated so oh yeah and we can't forget like being active and fit is supposed to be fun as well Mm. playing games and things like that just taking it back to things being fun yeah absolutely um well becca walton it's been great to to have you join and to chat wish you all the best of luck for next year thank you it was lovely to meet you today and um have a chat it's been great Well, thanks to Becca Walton, who improved her lifetime best by more than two metres in the 2023 season. Thanks to you for listening as well. Hope you enjoy the festive period and have a good new year. 